morning, church. My name is John Crawford. I am a part of our College of Preachers here at the table, a group of folks learning and practicing, proclaiming some good news. And so let's jump into some good news together today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are in the middle of our series around the Sermon on the Mount that we're calling The Politics of Jesus and a Partisan America. Wanting to ask the question, what if we center ourselves on the politics of Jesus and Jesus's politic and see where the chips fall from there? We've heard some great news these past few weeks leading up into this passage here at the end of Matthew 6. Spencer telling us that our father knows us and refuses to stop loving us. And Deb proclaiming last week that we have not been left alone to figure this out, but have been equipped in prayer. It's out of those realities and bits of good news we continue into Matthew 6 this week. And with that, I have a question for you. Do you remember the first time that you had the talk? Maybe it was with your parents, maybe another trusted family member or adult, could have been a sibling. Maybe it was your high school economic teacher. You know, the talk about money and how we relate to it. Yeah, there's probably a few sighs of at least we're not having that talk this morning. But if we're being honest, Sometimes conversations around money can be just as hard to enter into and just as weird. Uh, some places we're totally okay with talking about it. We can talk about how much that cheeseburger cost. We can talk about the state of the stock market, as long as it's not related to our 401k or even the price of gas. But in other places, we find it uncomfortable to, to culturally inappropriate. The final price of that vacation that we took, the shame we feel about taking that said vacation and even posting about it, the price of our home, or those who find it very necessary to express, like myself, that when someone compliments our dress or a new toy that we got, that we got it on a heck of a deal. We worry if we're on track for retirement, are we giving enough, or will we even have enough? When we start to consider money, friends, there are endless places for bad news to come around shame, greed, guilt and shame about our greed, worry or fear around security and having enough. This gospel passage today helps us understand why money produces these endless bits of bad news. And Jesus offers us his economic politic that centers itself not on money, but on justice. Jesus is going to make it clear to us that money is not a good thing. Maybe it's not even neutral. Not maybe, it's not even neutral. But it is a master. It is an idol God that we can be freed from. And I submit to you that this gut feeling that we get when we start talking about money and when we start finding this bad news is our hearts being torn and pulled by a God seeking to serve itself. Money at the center can only produce bad news and disordered desires. And it is to that bad news, to that tearing of our hearts and imaginations that I declare this good news to us today. Your father, the creator of all things is here right now. Be free from the worry of infinite possibilities of tomorrow. Through the power of the God who provides, open yourself to Jesus's politic of justice and experience freedom. There are two parts of this gospel passage today that help us to see this good news. First, Jesus makes it clear what mammon or money is and what putting it at the center of our economic is doing to us. And the second, Jesus proclaims that justice is at the center of the kingdom economic politic and in that we have freedom. So first, what does centering money or mammon do when it's centered in our politic? In verses 19 and 20, 
we get that classic, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also passage. I think Eugene Peterson put some language here that gives it a little more flesh. And Jesus says, it's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is a place you will most want to be and end up being. And if you've ever played golf, you know this all too well. Just trying out for the high school team in eighth grade, small private school. Uh, you know, you can do anything you want if you just show up, basically. The team captain sitting behind me, I'm teeing up. And then down the road, right next to the fairway comes this school bus. And, you know, obviously in your head, please don't hit the school bus. Please don't hit the school bus. Please don't hit the school bus. I whack it. And you can imagine what the loud, how loud of a ding a metal school bus and a golf ball makes. Money is just like this. Even if we try our best not to think of it, I'm not going to think about money. I'm going to think about other things. We end up heading straight towards it. We have to make something else the base or the entire way of understanding of how we give and receive in the kingdom of God. And this is when Jesus is going easy, I think, on the crowd. Because after this, he goes right in for it. He calls mammon what it is. He calls money what it is. And he says, you cannot worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You cannot worship God and money both. Other translations say that this money becomes our master. Jesus goes right for it. And friends, the Israelites that are hearing this today, they have and they know that he knows the wisdom literature about be wise with your money and do these things. And they also know first and foremost in their head, the phrase, you shall have no other gods before me. So when Jesus names mammon as a God here, he's going for much more than dramatic effect. He is going for a complete dismantling. Now, these are strong, strong words. And as I said earlier, potentially some of us are starting to feel that gut twisting that we talked about. Hang with me. And may I again propose that some of that may be a false God trying to hold tightly onto you. So then how does Jesus suggest that we worship this God of money? He suggests that we worship it by giving it our worry, by giving it our attention. We worship it when it stays centered in our imaginations for a politic. When all we can think about of how good happens or things go or what we can do to make good in the world, money being at the center and our attention, our way of being and doing in it is how we worship this God. Now, I think we're all good Americans and I hear what you're thinking because to be honest, part of me is thinking it too. Well, if you stop focusing on money, then no one will have any of it and justice can't be done. How do we get roads? How do people get fed? How do we do these things? Y'all, this is the biggest tension I feel in proclaiming this good news today. It is not lost on me the depths that this God of money has on American life and on my life. Even at dinner Friday night, talking to one of my brothers, who's a generous, loving follower of Jesus, it took five to 10 minutes of conversation around the things that I'm about to say to you to slow down even a few of the defenses that he and I both threw up in our conversation. So when I go to name these things, I don't want you to hear shoulds that I'm not saying. There's no should here that you shouldn't want money, you shouldn't have money, that you should do anything certain with your money. I have no shoulds for us this morning, so if you hear them, I promise I had no intention. Yet. In my experience with the church, our best imagination when we get to this point is to say that money is good or neutral, a thing we can control. 
then we could do amazing things with it. What if we get really, really, really good at money and then how much more will we have to give? Church, this is called trickle-down justice and it does not work. It is not working. Trickle-down justice is the promise of America that as Dr. Martin Luther King says, has proven to be bankrupt. And as I have a dream speech in 1963, y'all, he says the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. Now, almost 60 years later, our BIPOC brothers and sisters are still saying that nothing has changed. If you live below the poverty line, you are twice as likely to be black than white. Let's get even more explicit. In our partisan America, one party promises that if we give the individual more freedom to focus on money to amass more, then that money and justice will be rampant for all. Friends, the top and the, the disproportion of wealth has continued to grow and grow and grow and justice is not trickling down. The other part promises that if we give our focus and our money into a common country pot into our politic, then justice will prevail for all. The budget for our government grows year after year after year and justice is not trickling down. And I'm not sure our American church ideas are much better. Our prescriptive ideas that 10% becomes rules with no heart or our half formed ideas of just be more generous gives us no imagination because it still focuses on the bottom line of our budget as the criteria for which we understand generosity. None of these things are working because ultimately they both keep the God of mammon, of money at the center. Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's or to put it into the language we're using today, give Caesar his God back. Yet we hold up the coin with Caesar's face or with Lincoln's face. And because it has God's name on it, we're hoping it will show us the way to justice. Yet this God glistening in the sun tears at our hearts and desires. It thrives when we find ourselves clinging for security to have enough. It thrives when we feel shame for the things we have or the things we did not give. This God is not serving us, church. It is using us. But it is precisely into that place that this good news comes into play. The good news that your father, the creator of all things is here right now. Be free from the worry of the infinite possibilities of tomorrow. Through the power of the God who provides, open yourself to Jesus's politic of justice and experience freedom. This is good news in part because the God who loves us, as Spencer spoke a few weeks ago, has centered his kingdom on justice. At the end of this passage of worry, where Jesus appeals to the abundance of creation and that its creator sees each and every one of us, there's an author, Aubrey Hendricks Jr., and others that suggest that a better translation for the word righteousness at the end of this passage is justice. So then this passage reads, grabbing verses 25 and 33, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear, but strive first for the kingdom of God and God's justice. And all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus tells us that his kingdom economic politic his kingdom way of organizing and conducting our life together is communal justice. And friends, this makes the entire sermon make more sense and takes these verses outside of really cool personal financial advice into a sermon on the kingdom politics centered on justice. 
common belief of the day was that if you are rich, then you are blessed. And then in this sermon, Jesus heaps blessings on everyone else. The religious elite of the day had found themselves in bed with Rome. And if you're looking for that talk, there's a little hint for you. And the ruling and oppressive top 20% economically. So when Jesus calls for justice as the center of the kingdom's economy, he unseats the unjust, holy, and wealthy from the center. Centering our economics on Jesus's kingdom politic of justice frees us from the God of money. We are able to put down Caesar's image, open our eyes, let the light in and see the image of God and all those around us, the poor, the marginalized, our neighbors, and even ourselves. Jesus finishes this whole politic of justice then with an invitation, a verse that is often used as a should, which remember, we're not shooting on each other this morning, y'all, we're not doing it. Jesus finishes with an invitation into freedom. He says, so do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the reality that God is present and at work right now, right here. This creator God who made all of these things is centering us on justice and freeing us from worry and shame, freeing us from the God of mammon. We are made free from the worry of fear and security or from, from the worry and fear of security because our father is the ultimate provider and his kingdom is rich in justice. We are free from the shame of, do I have enough? Have I done enough? Or is this thing too much? Because we no longer allow the God of money to determine the criteria, but we rest in the God of all creation present with us as our reality. When the people of God pursue justice, then we see kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus's kingdom politic made real. Church, your father, the creator of all things is here right now. Be freed from the worry of the infinite possibilities of tomorrow. Through the power of the God who provides, open yourself to Jesus's politic of justice and experience freedom. How does this play out? For me right now, I'm leaning really heavy into God of all creation being here with me right now, trying to give myself over to that reality instead of the 3,467,895 and a half realities in my head about what tomorrow could be. Constantly turning on ways as our family we could get ahead or ways that we might fall behind. And frankly, the idea of centering our economics on justice, at least this explicitly, is really fresh. So then as I consider having justice, not as my first lens of responding yes or no to something, but my only lens, I get all sorts of images working in my brain about working still when I'm 135 years old, getting images of not being able to ever take my kids to Disney World or anniversary dates at McDonald's. Friends, these are just bad news. These are all potential possibilities that are not here and these are all still dreams and imaginations that have money as the bottom line. Yet, I think we've seen some hopes of this, some fruits of this happening in our body over the last crazy, ridiculous season of 2020. Let me share some of those. I think how this plays itself out and how it is in our body, a justice-seeking body of Christ together. When COVID first started and folks' economic instability was our stability was in turmoil or even unknown. We had people as a part of our body reach out, either asking for help or folks reach out, say there's plenty in here, some extra to share. 
It was a communal sharing of our life together. It was justice embodied in the sharing of resources, not because we said money has to fix all of this, but we said, here are our needs and what does that mean? And then we answered needs even outside of financial things in this season. Justice, equality, life together was the focus. And then we responded in other ways. And then just last week, a friend as a part of our body together was sharing a Kairos on how in the language today, they had responded with a justice oriented reaction and given more unplanned money than they had ever before in a few week period. Yet their Kairos was that they found themselves sad. They characterized their bad news with me as such. I'm not worried that I sacrificed. I'm not worried that I may have sacrificed on some of my goals. I know I have, hence the sadness. So for me, the bad news is I think less that I won't be able to meet my goals or that I won't be provided for, but rather the bad news that I'm coming to is the belief itself that I need to build my own kingdom, pursue my own goals apart from those God's kingdom at all, and that that's needed to make my life meaningful. Friends, the work that's happening here is that in even the naming it and the submitting it to the body, the God of money loses its power. It loses it and we're free now to participate, to free ourselves, to name that tearing and to free ourselves and submit it to the people of God and wonder together. So let's respond in the same way together now. A few ways we can respond to this good news. As Deb gave us the good news last week that we're not left alone, but we come in prayer to experience the power. Andrew is gonna lead us in a prayer that allows us to name those places where money produces shame in our lives, our worry, and then open us up to receive the freedom of our creator God with us today. And another way we can respond is to give. Not because you should, not because you haven't hit your 10% yet this month, not because generosity will bring you blessing, but because you are free from the infinite worries of tomorrow. And that is why it's always a part of our liturgy. It's because we're free from these things and we participate in our justice-oriented body of the people of God together. This is what we can do and it allows, we put down Caesar's image and begin to see a different image, the image of God. Friends, receive this good news one more time. Your father, the creator of all things is here right now. Be freed from the worry of the infinite possibilities of tomorrow. Through the power of God who provides, open yourself to Jesus's politic of justice and experience freedom. <laughs>